Consequence Podcast Network. This episode right. brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Fun fact about Nick B. Yeah. He just watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark this weekend. Really? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you like it, Nick B? You, you he realize didn't... that he can't respond to you. This is not one of those. No, he just told me. He said, yes, Holy it was shit. delightful. I agree with everything you said about it, Jen. Nick B's the voice in Jen's head. <laughs> Shh, they know too much, Nick B. They're on to us. This episode also brought to you by Ori. Ori. Hey, Ori. So Ori did the most amazing thing this week, and I'm oh, so yeah? grateful for Ori. Yes, she told me about my new favorite show on Netflix. It's The Babysitter's Club, and Holy oh shit. my gosh, it's no so joke. good. I was just talking to Natalie about that this morning. Yeah, did Ori yeah. tell you about it too? No. She just gives me her recommendations. Thanks, Ori. <laughs> Jen, you're a little like... <laughs> I Jen, know. Like, Jen what, just what? did like this whole shoulder swivel thing. It was amazing. So anyways, thank you so much, Ori. I'm so excited to watch the rest of it. And my daughter and I have been watching it together. It's just amazing. I know. She's like, I want to be a babysitter. It's like, well, let's start working on being responsible. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. Baby right, steps. Exactly. And then babysitter steps. Mm-hmm. This episode also brought to you by... Matt. Hey, Matt. Oh, come on. Oh, I, I do like how Mikey does not join us in saying the name. He's like waiting for his orca borka moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So my Swedish fact this week is about a Swedish king, Gustav III. He believed Ooh. that coffee was so bad for you that he once set up a human experiment to prove it. And he forced a prisoner to drink. Could you guys hear the air quotes? Mm. Forced. He forced a prisoner to drink coffee three times a day, believing it would kill him in a matter of weeks. Did it just make him more productive and then he overthrew the king? (laughs) Jen, sort of. The prisoner (laughs) outlived the king and the doctors that were conducting the experiment. So, yeah, he was just more awake and had better bowel movements. Mm, Coffee is amazing, guys. So, guys, don't be like King Gustav III from Sweden and enjoy your coffee. We now return you to another episode of... The, the Patreonicals. Okay, this one will be, this is going to be a shorter episode, Uh-oh. but a lot of drama. Okay, all right. <laughs> so everyone's gathered together finally. So okay. Matthew and Kate and Miggy Mac and the koala are all on the roof looking at the old leader of Thunderdome's body. <laughs> That's right, because they killed the leader last week. That's right. The Illuminati did, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and then on the ground, Eddie has come to Thunderdome with his army. To destroy okay. Thunderdome. Right. Right. Yeah. And then Tristam is with him because they're trying to repair him. Because he wasn't programmed to love. Right. Right. Or Tuttle. All of a sudden, the big, there's a there's the hovering <laughs> submarine. Submarine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like a little beam goes out, hits Tristam, and he starts cackling or whatever. Cackling? He starts laughing? It's a laugh beam? Crackling. It tickles crackling him? With like electricity. Oh, crackling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I heard cackling too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the beam. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you foolish beam. <laughs> so then the, over the loudspeaker, it was like, hey, we're the homeward bound animals and Chippendale. God, they're like bragging right now. <laughs> also yeah. known as the Illuminati. You should check our IMDb credits. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. We're done with people in the America, and you guys are not supposed to be alive. You were supposed to be our pawns to destroy the world, which you did, and we cho- we have we already chose people to survive, and they're in our secret bases, and we're restarting society. But in order to do that, 
all of you surface people have to die. <laughs> so everyone, no matter where they were from in Thunderdomington or Mammaltopia, all of them have to die right. so they can restart the society. Yes. Okay. And they're like, mm. we manipulated you into killing each other to make this really easy for us. And now all the power players are here in Thunderdome and we're going to just fuck shit up. All right. I guess it's cards on the table time. Tristan is an Illuminati robot all along. Wait, what? Yeah, because Isaac was like following their like manipulation and he put their technology in Tristan. So, yeah, so. He's an Illuma body? Illuma body. Oh, my God. <laughs> so all, a bunch of other robots come down and Kate is fighting them all and throwing them off the route with her telekinesis, but they're just landing at the right. bottom and shooting things and the subs launching missiles and everything's getting blown to shit. Also flying because <laughs> it's a submarine. Yeah, Jen, it's a submarine. Of course it can fly. It's an everything machine. Matthew's just crying because his powers have been taken away and he learned that he was manipulated into destroying the world. Uh, one of the robots it strikes Mickey Mac and knocks him out and right. uh, the koala gets out a knife and the robot speaks koalese. Koala ease? And, and the, I mean, standard programming. And the robot's yeah, like, sense. you're not my target koala. <laughs> Step aside, koala. And then the koala was like, you thought I was endangered, but you're in danger. Oh, my God. I feel like Mikey woke up from a dream and had to write that one down. (laughs) This whole episode is based around that joke. (laughs) I love it, though. I'm on board. So the koala jumps on the robot's throat and stabs its knife through his throat until it kills it. And uh, drags Mickey Mac off. That's a strong koala. And then uh, Eddie fled Thunderdome because he's he accidentally. Eddie Fleddy? Eddie Fleddy. Because he destroyed the world. <laughs> he learned that he destroyed the world over somebody's manipulation. It wasn't an accident. Mm. The Sunny right. D virus was an inside job. Oh, uh, it always is. It's purple it stuff is. the uh-huh. whole time. And Kate's fighting everything. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, Eddie Eddie's army is like completely demolished. Like They're just destroying shit. And then they're like, the su- like the sub's like, all right, we're headed off to, uh, we're going to bomb the shit out of this place. And then we're headed off to uh, Mammaltopia to finish that place off because none of you people need to be around. So good luck surviving out here, stupid asses. And so like. <laughs> <laughs> Some sub shade there. They're so petty. Chip and Dell are like so petty. <laughs> and so the submarine flies off. Thunderdome is just blowing up everywhere. And we don't know who's going to make it or who's not going to make it. Where is the sub going? Who else is in the Illuminati? <laughs> Who will be left alive after the great submarine battle? Find out next week on another episode of <laughs> The, the Patriarchals. This episode finally brought to you by Chris. Chris. Chris just wants everyone to know that uh, you are loved and that there's someone who wants to listen and be there for you. And we love you and we see you and we hear you and we want to hear you. So check out the Facebook group. There's a lot of support Absolutely. there. Yes. A lot of and it, and a lot of fun conversations, too. Yeah. You know? Guys, I saw a theme music running down the road. It wants to come in, but I don't think we should. Jen, oh, for the love of God, do not let in that theme music. No, but it just wants to play. <laughs> oh, my God, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. So we can do it better than anyone else. That's true. Well, what the fuck? This whole time. No one can do you like you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Virgin, everyone. <laughs> I'm Jim. I'm Mikey. And I'm the Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch The Purge. The Purge. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm assuming that you guys have seen The Purge before. Is that right? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Boom. Yeah, it came out in 2013, right? Yeah. I think I rented it later. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I was so I was stoked about it. It looked awesome. And it is cool. I really like it. But then the world changed, and now it's too now it's too close. Yeah. So Dude. let's get some first thoughts, though. When you guys first saw it, what did you think about it? I loved it. I was really excited because I think it's like a the, the preview for it was really intriguing, and I think it's like yeah. an interesting concept of a movie. So I was really excited to watch it. And then I did watch it, and I thought it was great, although I thought it was a lot smaller and more contained than I was expecting. But I watched it yesterday, and man, like watching it in 2013 versus watching this in 2020 after like the last couple of years, it was, fuck, this is hit a little too close to home. In some places. What did you think, Mikey, when you first saw it? I'm with Jen. It's like a really contained story, which I really like because I think the character works really well. And it does a lot of really subtle world building that I thought they do a great job of. And yeah, it, it kind of loses some of its magic when you go to the sequels and it kind of builds that world out. Yeah, the, the sequels are a little uneven, I think. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed the film when I saw it and I enjoyed it this morning when I watched it. I enjoyed it. There were parts that obviously scared me because it was there were yeah. some really effective, super fucking scary jump scares that really, really? got me. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was not scared at all. Oh, yeah, it really got me. But there, it is more of like an action movie with a few jump scares mm-hmm. than it is like a horror movie, although it definitely is a horror movie. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's not. But but I really liked the metaphor they were going for. Mm-hmm. Some of it doesn't feel right to me, and I'm not quite sure if I can put my finger on why. I don't love it. It's not nearly as bad as Ruddy or Not, because Ruddy or Not, that movie is ruined for me by the last five minutes. This movie mm-hmm. was not ruined for me. I sort of still like it. I'm just not exactly sure what didn't jive for me. Well, maybe we'll get to it when we get when we talk maybe. through it. Maybe, when we talk about it, that's fair. But I do yeah. think that like it's really a single location movie. It's all in that one neighborhood. But yeah. I think they do a great job of really explaining the whole world to you. Mm-hmm. just from that neighborhood. So I, I really liked it. I, I thought it was really, really good. Good. But I'm going to gen all over this fucking movie because <laughs> I have some thoughts. Yeah. Thing that bothered me was the house is like so huge in the movie. They're like, we have, we have yeah. no idea where that guy or my son or my daughter could be. It could be the East Wing or the North Wing or the West Wing. Yeah. They seemed middle class, upper middle class. Don't get me wrong, but not like 1% level rich. Oh, wow, Mikey. Uh, we grew up very differently. Yeah, I- if, if, if Ethan <laughs> Hawke's family in this is like middle class uh, to you? No, 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 no. That's insane. They have a whole like security camera watching room. <laughs> they have literal iron curtains that come down on every not door that, and window. Okay, but they're not like Downton. <laughs> like the, the the movie the house in the movie like, the, the scenes is like Downton Abbey size, and that's not the house they show. Downton Abbey's one percent. This house is like upper class. Does that does that make sense? Sure, I would say that Ethan Hawke's family and their neighborhood is the. Uh, is the metaphor of the 1%, right? Yes, I think so too. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why it doesn't really jive for me because when I think of the 1%, I think of like Elon Musk and Jeff mm. Bezos. That's that, me too. But I would say they're like in the 5%. You mean Ethan Hawke's family? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But like Jeff Bezos has enough money to literally end world hunger and Ethan Hawke has enough money to never work again. There's like, right. there is a difference there, but they're still super rich, yes. right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I get that they are the 1% metaphor. They may not be the actual 1% in reality, but this world is not reality. So, you know, it is what it is, you know. If you rob someone on purge night, after that night, would you be in possession of stolen goods or would they be legally be your goods? No, they would legally be yours because you would own them. They yeah. you would have them on you. I don't think so. Like those two trucks that they leave in the the, the yard at the very end, 
Like, are they their trucks now? Or, like, if they drove those trucks down the street, they're still registered to so-and-so. But the, but so-and-so are dead. Yeah, but family still reports the truck stolen. Yeah, it got purged. It's mine now. That's what I would say. And that is something that it doesn't totally... And, I mean, I had never really thought about that because I don't think that's really what the point of the No, movie. the point's murder. No, but there's a lot of other right. crime besides murder. Yeah. Like, okay, if you, like, got someone pregnant on purge night, would you not have to pay child support? Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> Mikey. What are you planning for purge night, Mikey? <laughs> no, no. Well, like, abandoning a child. <laughs> so, like, it should have just started with, like, Ethan Hawke being like, and I'm out. I'm going to go get some cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for purge night, you do get to abandon your family, but you have to come back when the sirens go off the next morning. Right. You have to be back by 7 a.m. There's yeah. just right. a lot of, like, little questions that I've only probably thought about that I think that probably. <laughs> See, and that's why I really like this movie a lot, and I like the second movie a lot. I love Election Year for other reasons, but, like, I think once you start to expand on this concept, it does kind of, like, there's a lot of details that you start losing track of. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about reforming a government, and so there's always going to be these offshoots that you didn't think about. But, like, I don't think, I think this movie still works without having to explain all of that stuff, you know? I think that's why this movie worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but then when you start going down the road, I think then it would be really easy to get lost in the details. If you embezzled from, like, a podcast you're on, on Purge Night, <laughs> like, the rest of the year, you guys couldn't do anything about it? Jen, I have to talk to you about the podcast immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you're recording this, right? Like, like, yeah, the guy I would am. go to work on Monday and be like, I still a million dollars from here on purge night happy monday bitches and like (laughs) like does that i mean i don't think that works like that well and that's why it doesn't work yeah and so i want to talk a little bit about societal structures and why the purge actually wouldn't work for real reasons in the real world but let's get into the fucking movie because i think we'll talk about some of that when we get to it okay so we've got a text card and it's the year 2022 yeah, it's literally two years from now. Yes, which is terrifying. <laughs> and so we're seeing some text on the screen. It says unemployment, crime, and violence are at an all-time low, except for one exception. And it doesn't tell us what the exception is, although we've seen the previews. Uh, but then right. it has this, this <laughs> text that says, like, and this is kind of a mantra we're going to keep hearing. It says, blessed be the new founding fathers for letting us purge and cleanse our souls. Blessed be innate. Blessed be America, a nation reborn. And we're going to keep hearing that throughout. So, And the new founding fathers are capitalized, too, which... I think they explore later, but we don't ever find out much about I think they're a Yeah, they don't really party. talk about that, but I right. have to know what that is. They explain everything in the sequels. Okay, yeah, in the ahead. first Purge, I think, is when they go into more detail about that. That, that makes sense. I, can't, I honestly want to see that so badly, just because this sets up a world I want to know more about, which I think is yeah. effective. And then we have Claire de Lune playing, which is one of my favorite pieces of classical music. It is pretty fucking great. I know. And also in I'm, public domain, so they got to use it for free. Nice. <laughs> now, <I> got <laughs> and so while we're hearing this nice, soothing piano music, we're seeing surveillance footage of, it's called the Purge feed, and it's people getting shot and beaten and murdered and like things on fire and just like yeah. really brutal uh, footage. You mean like the internet? Yeah. It's honestly <laughs> like live leaks on the internet. If you've ever been there, don't go. It's horrible. No. But it's like that. And honestly- they're the worst fucking credits we've seen in a while because it's like three minutes of just out of nowhere violence with no story. They're so boring. I think it's setting it up. Also, I love Claire DeLune, so I was down for these credits. I'm going to have to politely disagree. I think these credits work for what they're trying to convey. Judas. That's all I hear right now. (laughs) Enjoy your 30 pieces of silver, Mikey. I'll see you on Purge Night, motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But right after the extremely boring credits, right, we all agreed on that? That's when no. we, mm. that, 
<laughs> that's when we see dreamy Ethan Hawke. Yes, we do. Oh, my God. I don't know how he still looks like he just walked off the set from before sunrise or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, Ethan Hawke, I don't even know what he was saying because he's so hot. Um, but he's talking about, lo- and he's got flowers, which I just assume are for me. Um, and talking about <laughs> somebody being locked up tight. And he's like, sell, like, like lo- what we're going to find out is he works for a security service. Yeah. He's like a salesman. Yeah. We find out he's their top salesman. Yeah. Um, which I imagine would be a good business to be in when there's fucking purge night once a year. But so we're hearing a lot of stuff on the news. And I wrote a lot of the stuff down because I thought it was interesting. It's really good world building. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're talking about, like, the poor can't afford to protect themselves. Um, And then somebody, like, immediately dismisses that as, like, it's a free country. So there's your bullshit opinion. It was interesting, like, kind of right-wing style. Yeah, they're having a debate if the purge was about our violent instincts or if it was about eliminating the poor. Right, right, right. Which I've got a lot of thoughts about. But you're supposed to put these blue flowers out, which are the flowers we saw in his car, to show that you support the purge. Right. At first, I was like, oh, he's a really sweet, loving husband. He's mm-hmm. bringing his wife flowers, but no, he's just supporting the purge. Right. He's a successful, rich asshole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in his defense, I don't think the purge night is the time to bring your wife flowers. Yeah, but I didn't know exactly where we were in the timeline of this movie at this point, but yeah. Honey, I got you roses. I mean, people are going to die tonight. Yeah. I just assumed he had cheated on his wife last week, and he was still trying to make up for it. That's a rookie move. Cool. Always cheat on purge night. That's so hilarious. True. Is that That's a real cliche, too, huh? No, you guys just assume that every time. <laughs> There's never a wrong time to bring flowers to your wife. Just saying. That's true. But should we talk about the big picture, like metaphor of the purge now, or should we wait? Let's let's go ahead and talk about it because I think we're gonna spin ourselves around. So for me, the purge movie at face value does not work. Okay. None of it is believable at face value. But if you look at the big metaphor and the big picture they're trying to make, I like it a lot. Hmm. But because of the way societies actually work and the way family structures actually work and communities actually work, the purge would never happen because and I'll give you an example. Like, remember when uh, coming up, the guy is like talking to Ethan Hawke through the door and he's like, you have until our friends get here with our tools to rip down your doors to give us the guy so that we can kill him or we're going to kill all of you when we get here. And then his buddy who has a mask on is like screaming at them and whatever. And then he like the guy who is talking to Ethan Hawke shoots his buddy in the face. Mm -hmm. That would never happen because those two people are friends. Those two Mm. people have a community. Those two people know each other's families. So there's no way he's going to kill his best friend or one of his friends because he has to go back to his family tomorrow, to his friend's family tomorrow, and be like, yeah, I fucking killed him. Like, there's just no way it works because of the way society actually works. But I love the metaphor. I really like the movie because the metaphor. I think that one scene kind of does ruin the metaphor. But also, you don't know the backstory. He could have pissed them off throughout the year and been like, I murdered him because he fucked up or whatever. Well, no, but I like that scene with the metaphor because the rich do fuck over rich people too. Yeah. So like that that scene still works with the metaphor. Is It would not work in society because you are held to your community, right? It's not just this one night. And I think one of the things that's interesting is they keep repeating this mantra, like, blessed be, like, you allowed us to cleanse their soul. There's, like, this religious kind of element yeah, that think, they're buying think, into yeah. Yeah. that, like, you get to, like, you're sacrificing. Like, you're doing a great job. Like, so the next day, I imagine he would go into work and he would be like, yeah, Bill that I shot in the face, yeah. he was yelling in my ear. He sacrificed and he's such a great guy and we're so happy to, like, have known him. And, like, they were talking about the vigil at the end. So 
yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that's part of why it's a little more extreme. Although I do remember a couple of weeks ago when we were just ready to sacrifice all these old people who might get coronavirus to open the economy back. You so, mean like what we're doing right now? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are a lot of those elements. I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how extreme this would be, but there's a lot of like a lot of people who are really just ready to believe this ideology and just say, fuck everybody else. This is the yeah. thing that makes me feel good right now. What I like know? about the sequels is that it shows that the vast majority of the population doesn't like the purge and doesn't participate. Right. And then like the only people who do are like not great people. Well, they're like the one or five percent, or, or not even they're that. They're the ones who are going to benefit. They're from either the it, like know? the rich one percent who are like mean, me, or they're like the people in society who are like antisocial. Like I'm going to go kill people. It's either purge or get purge. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, so we get home. Lena Hetty is cooking dinner. Yes. I called her Cersei through the whole I did movie. Too. So did I. So did I. Okay, and cool. I called Ethan Ethan. I did I not did call too. him by his real name. Yeah. I think his real name was James, but if you guys will forgive us, we'll just call him Ethan the whole time. Yeah, yeah because I'm not sure. I think his last. Anyways, yeah, Ethan. Ah, oh, shines the morning sun. I love him. Like I, I do too, man. Love Ethan Hawke. There's a moment in my notes where I wrote, well, I'm a lady, so I won't say what I wrote in my notes, but. It was a picture. She drew it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it we'll get there all right so she he, carpeted that deal oh, is what yeah. she said <laughs> so she's um cooking dinner so we find out they have a daughter named zoe and she is angsty as fuck yeah man she's so angsty um, but she's got a boyfriend who is 18 years old and she is not how old is she they don't say, but she's naughty. I mean, 16 or 17, I imagine. Yeah, I got the impression that they were really close in age, and then it becomes an issue that he's 18. I was like, wait, she's like 16 or 17. She's like, he's like 25. That's what I, the, by the, well, they, the act, Mikey, yes, the actor is legit 32. No, but I'm but, saying, I like, mean, for him to be so upset, and she upset, and even Hawk's so upset, he had to be older. I don't know. We do find out that he's a real Mikey. Because they're like making out on the floor and she goes, I love you. And then he goes, oh, God. let's growl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, way to a sidestep that. Exactly, Jen. Uh, exactly. He's yeah. a master at avoiding the DTR conversation. I do want to be clear that I don't think this guy's a real Mikey because he's dating someone who's way too young for him. No, 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 no. You said I'm a real Mikey because he's avoiding commitment. Exactly. Yes. God, yeah. I got you. Although he does say he loves her later. When he is trying to kill her father, but True. we're going to get to all that. Yeah. We're getting way ahead. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, she's making out with her boyfriend. Yes. Um, and we out with dad gets home. And so he has to go now. But and so as they go out on the balcony, they see their neighbor sharpening a giant machete, which is yeah. very ominous. But they're like, oh, looks like he's going to purge. Looks like he's going to go hunting, I think is what they said. Right, Something like right. that. It, yeah. It's just really like unsettlingly ominous. Um, it also shows that he's not very smart because you don't go hunting with melee weapons. That's real dumb. You go with guns because guns yeah. beat melee weapons every time. You could take both. Those people use the guns to, to round the people up so they can stab them so they can more effectively kill and feel it more. I had a lot of problems with a lot of the weapons choices, especially of the mm. 1% kids that try and kill the Ethan Hawke family. You see girls skipping down the hallway with axes and stuff. 
And you you mm-hmm. just simply would not do that when invading a home of gun owners. Well, it's all, it's almost like sheltered people shouldn't be doing things they don't know how about how they should be doing it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how I read it. I read it as they had this like inflated sense of power, you know, and so they were taking these weapons and then like got shot because because they're fucking stupid. Yeah, it's like into the wild or whatever. Anyways, okay, so but while we're uh, while they're making out, we're hearing more news footage and they're they're yes. talking a little bit more about this commentary that we are inherently a violent species um, and. Den- Denying ourselves, like denying this violence is what causes the true problems. We have to pretend not to be assholes all the time. And so the purge like provides psychological stability by allowing us to release the aggression we all have inside. And I linked an article from Psychology Today that talks a little bit about this. And we'll talk about it in Fun Facts. But I just those kind of things I think are really interesting that they kind of peppered in a little bit. like A lot of the commentary to kind of help you unpack how this is. That's that's science holds up. That makes sense. They literally have a doctor on TV explaining it in the movie. Yeah. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think it holds up at all. I'd be interested to know what science actually says about it. Cause oh, you mean me, like Dr. Phil explaining coronavirus? Yeah, that's about as much sense as it makes. All right. Now we have neighbor Grace, who doesn't blink, um, bringing Cersei some cookies and a little saran wrap. And then other neighbors pull up and say hello. And they all seem super nice, except they're kind of weirdly passive aggressive. And they're talking about this new addition that she had on added onto her house. Yeah. Because Ethan Hawke has sold security systems to everybody in this neighborhood. So they're all and probably everyone all over town. About it. Exactly. And I mean, like, if that's his line of work and that's what you want, yeah. that's not his fault. I was like, bitch, just yeah. don't buy his security system if you don't like I, I, Yeah. Right. I really had a problem with her being angry with them for Ethan being successful at selling security systems because she has a buddy or a neighbor in the security system business. He probably got her right. a deal on it. Like, who right. gives a fuck how he makes his money, you stupid lady? Like, that is insane to me that she would be mad at them for providing her security for money. Like that it's makes not like no they can sense like, to me. do it every year or whatever. Like it's just petty jealousy, which I, I actually liked. I was like, yeah, people get mad about stupid oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, they do. yeah, I was so um, mad at her though. Like, but I but I get that that is something someone might be mad about. I'm not saying that you right, are right. wrong for feeling that way, Jen. That just re- it really pisses me off that she's mad about that. Well, she's like, y'all, it, some people would say that you're just showing off the money that we made for you or whatever. Right. Or that they, we our built neighborhood your house. bought that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which and okay, here's the thing, because we find out later that she had a very good reason to be mad at him about selling these security systems to him, but it's not presented as that. It's presented as she's just jealous, you know? Which, I mean, it kind of feeds into this whole narrative. Like, they just are mad. And And, like, one of the things that Psychology Today was talking about is that when people get this angry, it's rarely about one thing. Like, she's oh, probably yeah. mad about 20 things, and this is the one thing she's pinning it on. She's mad her husband's cheating on her, or whatever, yeah. Right, or, like, she got fired, or yeah. she gained some weight. You know, she's mad, and this is the thing she can pin it on, you know? Anyways, also, we're finding out she's not having her purge party this year. Or Winky is she? Blinky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I thought, yeah, if you're the only one, like, if you don't know who's having the purge party, you're the purge party you know also i don't want to be around other people that i don't trust with my life during the purge exactly yeah no way i would go to a purge party hell no i don't care how good the dip is no yeah exactly jen i love both of you guys but i'm not even coming over for buffalo chicken dip like i i don't care i don't trust mikey for sure and I'm sure Jen's going <laughs> to wow. kill at least one person at some point. Buffalo chicken dip is really so, good. Though. It's so good. I'd like shave all your hair off and be like, this is legal. Honestly, if you shave all of Jen's hair, hair off, she'd thank you. I kind of would. I want to do that. So now we have floor cam made with actual floor. I literally in my notes wrote shoe cam, actual shoes. 
these shoes are amazing yeah. too i was like ooh. <laughs> but then we find out that the fucked up baby tank from toy story one is in mm-hmm. this movie timmy cam i think his name is timmy and i just called him timmy cam because... i called him baby tank the whole movie <laughs> baby, baby tank. tank. I like yeah. I like baby tank. Yeah, but we find out that it's Charlie who has made yes. this baby tank, or Timmy Cam, as Jen says, mm-hmm. and he's Timmy following Cam. people around. Well, it's just his mom. Yeah, so he is controlling this thing because the mom's like, "Yeah, stop fucking sneaking up on me and don't upskirt shot your mom." If she was wearing a skirt, Ugh. and I don't remember if she was or not, she was. But yeah. don't do that. That's gross. No. Don't do it to anybody, let alone your mom. But we also find out that he's got this secret room in his closet that apparently the mom doesn't know about. Right. And that's where he's operating um, Timmy Cam. Or what did you guys, Baby Tank? Yeah, Baby Tank. And one of the things I really like about this movie is the sister and Charlie, That I love that they have a good relationship, you know, yeah. and that she's not, like, just kind of bratty to the whole family. Yeah, she's super angsty towards the parents, but they like the two siblings do seem to have a loving, sort of supportive relationship. They do. And they also, like, they say, she's super angsty right now because we're trying to make her break up with her boyfriend like they give her that, a reason yeah yeah sense. i get yeah. that I, I don't i'm not mad at her she's also right. of the age where that's sort of common ish you know to yep. sort of start rebelling against your parents and stuff yeah well and so the next thing we see is them eating dinner and i just want to note that they have wishbone italian dressing on that table which is the best dressing and i would <laughs> drink that shit it is that so is good. such a weird thing to call out but it's so funny that you oh saw that God. i love that it. is not a 1% dressing. No, that's oh. not. That's a, I mean, it's a name brand, but it's not like an $8 bottle. It's, it doesn't come in glass, you know. Mikey is definitely our 1% correspondent on this podcast. God, that's true. Let me ask my driver. <laughs> what does the riffraff put on their salads? <laughs> what do the pores pour on their salad? <laughs> right. He would make a pun there, too. So, but they're having this, and like, they're all at super formal dinner, and it's like fancy times, like the wine glass, and he's still wearing his suit. Um, and he's like, let's go around and everybody say about their day. And I'm so glad that Zoe was like, I don't want to do this as a stupid. He's an attentive father. I, I don't know. I feel like he's just looking for a way to connect with his kids and he's not super great at that. And he's like sort of a workaholic guy. And like, I, yeah. I sort of get it. It's not great. You're right. But I sort of get it. it. Yeah. What the thing that bothered me is it just seemed very performative. It's like, this is what we do at dinner because we're fancy dinner people now. Uh, but you're right. Like, he's he just wants to share his news and he right. wants to pretend that he's interested in their stuff. Yeah, first. exactly. Exactly. He <laughs> wants to tell them that he was a top salesman and he's going to get a huge bonus and they're going to buy a boat. Exactly. Right? But, but I mean, I do. I do think he he cares about his family. I think like, so, yeah. I. I think they're they're a good family, although you question some of their morals along the way. But I do get the sense that he loves his kids. Okay, so now it's time for lockdown. And they're going into their fancy security room where they've got like a bunch of different monitors from all the cameras around. Yeah, they've got like 30 cameras around their house. Right, which I assume is part of this whole like security, security system, system. I'm sure, yeah. Right. They're looking and they see two people walking down the street and they're like, oh, look, I didn't know they were friends. They're purging together. And they also find out that Grace is having their party, which is a little party shadowing. But they're like, oh, well, thank God I didn't want to go because I don't like it. Yeah, do you really want to go to her party? She's such exactly. a bitch or whatever Ethan yeah, Hawk says. Yeah, she doesn't blink. Oh, is that what <laughs> it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's like, she's nice enough, but I don't like her. Yeah, we're friendly, not friends, which I mean, that's sort of how you are with a lot of your neighbors. Like You don't hang out with them all the time, but, you know, you're friends and, you know, it's like you're nice to each other because you live with each other, you know? 
Exactly, because it's better for you if you all just get along. Yeah, you know. Um, but he also checks that the guns are safe. So he and he's got a gun that he's going to have with him. Yes, like a snub nose six shot revolver. Yeah, just in case. But so now he pushes the code and he locks everything down. So all of these like steel barricades come down over the windows yeah. and the door. So it's like locked them yeah. in. He's like six nine four two zero. <laughs> it's sixty nine four twenty, dog. Oh jeez. And uh. But Charlie sort of <laughs> eyes the code and remembers, not only is my dad a pothead and into giving my mom fellatio, but he, I also now know the code. Right. Distracted fellatio, because 69 is a scam. Just take turns, guys. Yeah, it is a scam. Right. I agree. So now it's purge time, and we hear the emergency broadcast system. Yeah. And they're... <laughs> it's so many of those siren blasts, though. It's like nine. I'm like, we get it. It's about to purge. I think it's purge. actually... It's like six, and then in the morning it's seven or something. I oh, found a fun it? fact about oh, it. Yeah, okay. but it wasn't super interesting, so I didn't write it down. But <laughs> So what you're saying is you found a fact about it, but it didn't meet your fun fact threshold. It wasn't very fun. It's just know. a fact. So we hear, and I wrote some of this down, weapons of class four and lower are authorized. Government officials of a certain rank have immunity. Any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for the next 12 hours. Emergency responders will not be available. And then we hear that blessed be our new founding fathers kind of mantra again. So if you kidnap somebody on purge night, are you only allowed to keep them for the 12 hours? Yes. And then you have to let them go or they are kidnapped. But then it would be against the law after 12 hours, right? Yeah, because you are keeping them kidnapped. Mikey, kidnapping is a crime that is ongoing. Yes. I I just think the purge is bullshit. But this very much is like a metaphor for capitalism. That's the reason it sort of works in a metaphor. It's great. But it doesn't work in practice. Exactly. It it could never happen. But the metaphor really works. (laughs) Do you yeah. think this government has a holiday six fronts from now called the binge where they just encourage people to <laughs> shop all day? Yeah, they do. It's to beef yeah. up the economy. Yeah. <laughs> in all fairness, we do have a binge in our society. It's called Black Friday. We do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just talking about they seem kind of scared, which I would be scared, too, yeah. because now you're living in a society where there is no there are no more laws. Um but he's saying we'll be fine, just like always. And he says we can afford protection. Yeah, which they do. Their house is really protected. And then Charlie's asking why they don't purge. And they're saying because we don't feel the need to. Um, he's like, well, so if you did feel the need to, would you? And they're like, uh, I don't know. I think this is the most important piece of dialogue in this movie because it states who the family is. I think Ethan Hawke's character and his wife's character yeah. are not inherently bad people they're not pro purge and they're not wanting to hurt people and they think they are pro purge they put the flowers in their driveway to show that they support the purge yeah so they are pro purge no they're faking it i don't think they're true believers i think they made the best of the society the fucked up society they live in they don't really believe in this stuff they don't believe in murder they don't want to tell their son anything too murdery but they also don't want to tell them enough where they could get in trouble. It kind of feels like. Yeah, but here's why that doesn't fucking matter. And they're pro purge because they support the system that supports the purge. So they yes. are still pro purge. I don't care about their internal conflict or their internal monologue. It does nothing for society. If you stay silent, don't speak up and allow it to happen. You are just as bad as those who do and are pro purge. Totally agree. There's a lot of people who lived in like Nazi Germany who couldn't do active resistance. So they did passive resistance like that. 
and there was a lot yeah, of conversations not, like this. That's true, and that's not what we see here. But that is true. But that's no, not no, what's I think happening that's, here. I think that's I think that's what you see a little bit. Not until they are faced with the repercussions of the purge do the whole family start to rethink it, except for Charlie. Charlie well, I think has there's a yes. lot of people who are like, let's shut our doors and pretend this doesn't happen because right. I don't want it to affect my family. Right. And it seems like he made the choice of like, I'll do whatever it takes to protect my family. I'll sell security systems. We'll lock each other yeah. in the house. I'll buy these stupid fucking flowers. But Which like, is how these systems maintain themselves yep, because right. they, they it's fear and you you have to buy into it as your right. protection. Right. And so I think what the point the movie is making is that when you support these systems, like you might think you're safe from them, but they're eventually going to turn oh. on you because these systems don't give a fuck about people. Right. The system is to support a concept, not to care about people. Absolutely. And I do think you see the like you see them make this arc, and I do think that they are like privately anti-purge but publicly pro-purge yes, as a form a, yes. of protection sure but like todd i agree with what you're saying like it doesn't fucking matter so they're pro-purge yeah give them some grace here because at this point this like nazi-esque party is in charge and if you're anti-purge you get fucking murdered they're probably not going to say shit. I do give them grace for that. I totally understand that. But what I'm saying is if 90% of your neighborhood is just going along with this shit to protect yourself, then you don't realize that everyone else is in agreement with you and you look like you are supporting. Like, you're not talking to your neighbor. Well, yeah, we think it's bullshit, but we're just going to pick these flowers well, yeah, because their neighbors, he probably has tried to have those conversations. His neighbors are absolutely pro-purge. Like, at some point, you have to say what you believe in or the things that you don't believe in and are continuing to support keep happening. I think he made the decision, him and his wife made the decision of, like, let's never talk about our actual political beliefs because our country is fucked. They won't let anybody leave. And our neighborhood, like, we can live a good life if we do this, this, and this, but we can't tell our neighbors because they're fanatics. Right. So what you're saying is Ethan Hawke and the family are bad people because no. through their silence, they are propping up a system of oppression and murder. You cannot, so, yeah. okay, but like, unless there's a big group of people or a big spark that that activates a big protest like what we're seeing now, you one person saying something doesn't do shit. Yeah, but you're still relying on other people to be that spark. Yeah. Right, but yeah, but sometimes you sometimes a powder keg needs to be sparked. People have those views, but you need uh, something that like like Stonewall. Yeah, or George Floyd. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Well, so like, there's a lot of people who feel that way, but they feel like they're not going to put their kids in danger unless they know there could be a chance of actual change. I agree, and I, I understand what you're saying. And like, this is kind of the debate I had when we started this podcast, and I started like tweeting stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be political. I'm just going to kind of, especially like living in the South. Um, it's like I just don't want to start shit. I don't want to get yeah. like attacked for saying things. But like, I got to a point where I was like, fuck the the benefit of staying silent is not worth. It because I'm relying on other people to speak out for me. It's like with sexual assault. Like if I'm just waiting for everybody else to do that work and everybody else is just waiting for everybody else to do the work, nobody is doing the work. You know, like at a certain point, mm -hmm. you have to just say what you think. You know, I, I agree. But I think there's times and places, especially like, okay, okay, my day, like, you know, my, my brother is gay. I'm pretty liberal. Like, yeah, and I, and I know a lot of very conservative people and I run into them at Kroger and I'm not going to get into like, a political political argument with somebody at Kroger because it like it doesn't help, and I just want to buy. And also, they're not wearing a mask, and you don't want to get their corona on you. Yeah, I get right, that. Right, right. I mean, there's there's just there's just <laughs> I, I pick my battles, which I think you know because if like I went out there and just staunchly defended everything I believed in all the time, I would just feel so exhausted and so defeated all the it was because of where I live that I would yeah. just be drained all the time. And so like you know, I pick but my battles. 
what I've realized through being on the other end of that is that like the people that need that work to be done don't get to pick those battles because they have to fight those battles every day. Yeah, you that's know? like a position of privilege to be like, I can't engage with this. Right. It's like people that say, I just don't want politics in my sports because they are not feeling the effects <laughs> of those politics every day. No, you know? those people want politics in their sports. They're taking a hard line of it. I'm just saying that like, but if like the whole system is oppressive and sometimes you just need to make it through the week, you just don't have these fights all the time, especially if you're just... Like they made it. It seems like this family, because there's a lot of eye contact between Ethan and L- Lena Headley when they're answering these questions. Like they've talked about this conversation before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, okay, this is happening. And they like, they're checking in with each other of like, we made a decision to protect our kids, give our kids the best chances we have and like try to make it. Right. And yeah. like, that's the, that was my read on this thing. Yeah. So yeah. they're bad people for propping up the purge. <laughs> Well, because they, right. and they're they're yeah. benefiting off of it, like financially, because he's selling all of these. They're totally like, let's make the best of it and protect our children, and make a whole bunch of money off selling oh, security yeah. systems for this. They're like selling hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, the, one of the problems I have with this movie is that the heroes of the movie are inherently bad people because they support the purge, they support the killing of the poor and the the needy. The clearing out of the people who are in need of the social safety net. I don't think they support it. They just don't defy it. They right. just don't so, go Mikey, what it. that is, is implicit support because you're not doing anything to stand up for those people. And you can't. They've obviously raised their son to like have a good heart and help people in need. And like those are, I don't think that's something that has to get ingrained with like a family support. That's not just something a lot of kids pick up by themselves. But you can't in silence defy something. So they are in silence supporting something. Because as this guy is running through the neighborhood, he can't tell a difference between houses if they all have the blue flowers out. Oh, yeah. But let's say like if you don't put the blue flowers out that night. You're going to get shit on your, like the rest of your life, the rest of your year is shit on because you didn't put your flowers out that night. It's just not like, it's like, just like not putting your American flag out on 4th of July in your like neighborhood that has like a big thing about that or whatever. Well, and so one of the things I think is interesting because Todd, I think you're right. I don't think that this family is good, although I think they have good intentions, but it's one of those things where your good intentions still have a bad impact. And that's what really matters. But there is a difference between them and the people who are going out and actively purging. That's, that's 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 my yes. point. Is yeah, yeah, I agree. But they are supporting a structure that is literally killing people. I feel like they are surviving their society. Right. I don't, and I feel like they're not fighting and benefiting it. from yeah. it though. They're is, making is the they're thing. making shitloads of money off the death of you know poor people. So yeah, right. But again, that's yeah. why the metaphor really works because that's capitalism. It, it literally exactly. like the one percent literally looks at people like capital. They look at us like mm-hmm. cattle. They just use us and you know poor people to fund their businesses so they don't have to work, and then they can mm-hmm. lobby to break up unions and they can like destroy right. the fucking middle class through the union busting measures that have been passed in the government since the fifties. And that's why you've Mm -hmm. seen the middle class super fucking shrink. And why, Uh if you look at buying power from like 1955 to 2015, like I was talking to a guy who was like, he's like talking about how he made $25,000 when he got his first job in the seventies. And like, right now I make like a hundred thousand dollars and life is great. And his buying power has gone up like $10,000. If you look at inflation, Mm -hmm. he has not really gotten as many raises as he thought he got. And when we had that conversation, he was real fucking pissed because he realized that he'd been lied to his whole life and that the 1% and the government has destroyed his class. Mm -hmm. And that's what this movie's about. And that's part of why running a country like a business doesn't work. Because if, 
if you have like if you have air in the blueberry business and you have a whole shipment of blueberries that die or that like are ruined, you just throw them out. Right. But like you're equating like those blueberries would be people. And yeah. so this movie is showing that when you when all you value is the economy, you like view certain classes as disposable if they don't support the economy. And that's what the purge is actually about is removing the burden on the economy for people right. who are seeing. And they actually say that later on. Yeah. Yeah, let's get back into the fucking movie. Woo! All right, so there we um, go. We had that discussion. We can now we can move on. Yeah, I mean I, that's I think that's what I wanted to talk about because like that. No, I'm not yeah, agreeing yeah. with what the family did. I'm just saying like if you're in a big system, you know, it sucks. I mean, and and I'm not saying that you're wrong, Mikey, and I'm right. It's like a super complex issue, and it would be hard for it me is. to put my life on the line for someone I don't know. So like I get right at the macro level, like I get it, like that makes well, sense. That's the, that's why macro systems level change is so hard because yeah. if you like they if they were like fuck the purge, and they went outside, they'd just be shot dead, and like it's over. But so when Charlie is asking this question to them, like, why don't you purge? I feel like what he's as really asking them is, do you believe the purge is the right thing to do? Because I think that's the question behind the question. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Exactly. Because what he wants them to say is because we think it's wrong. That's why right. we don't do it. But they just say because we don't we don't we just choose not to. And this is where they do a lot of eye contact, because I thought I think they were like, I don't want to tell him that and him go to school and say my parents don't believe in the purge. I mean, yeah, could be. Anyways, okay, so now daughter is listening to music in the room, and somebody grabs her from behind. Yeah. But it turns out it's her boyfriend who snuck in. Yeah, right. right. So this guy, this guy's got a family and everything. Yeah. And he didn't even tell them he wasn't going to be there for their purge. Like, his family's like, my son's dead. Or he told them, hey, I'm going to go purge. Or he's 21 and doesn't live with them, so they don't know <laughs> what Yeah, he's I mean, doing. and he is going to purge tonight he is going yeah. to kill her father this kid is such an asshole and he's so oh, stupid yeah. how many women do you know mikey that if you killed their father in front of them they'd still be on board to date you <laughs> a lot of people have dad issues uh, <laughs> that's true so yeah, the boyfriend's now making out with her and he's like i'm gonna confront your father about Right, I'm going to confront your father. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, yeah. yeah. No, He's got to talk to me now. We're trapped in the same house. I have forgotten that his plan was to kill Ethan Hawke. Really? It's pretty clear. Well, okay. What I was thinking was, why the fuck would you do that on Purge Night? Ethan Hawke is going to kill you. Yeah, right? And then... When he pulled his gun out, I was like, oh. Yeah, because that, that's what he does. Like, he tells Zoe, Ethan Hawke's daughter, that he's going to go mm -hmm. have a conversation. And he has to talk to me. He'll be okay with it by the end of the night. And then immediately right. as he's walking to the stairs. And honestly, this is when Charlie also opens the door for the quote-unquote Home homeless, homeless man, guy. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is so a vet. Like, he's a vet. Like, I don't know. There's so many. He's got dog tags. There's so much sadness in this for me. Anyway, uh, so Charlie opens the gate. Or not gate, but the iron doors yes, or whatever. The barricades. Right, the barricades. Yeah. And then as they're being closed again, he slides under. But it's like right at that time that the boyfriend comes out and just goes from, I don't want to talk to him. I'm going to kill him. So he starts right. shooting him and then the dad returns fire. Right. Yeah. 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 And so he's seen this guy and I don't think we ever find this guy's name out. So I Henry. called him the man. Is it Henry? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant the boyfriend. Yeah. They don't. I don't no, think yeah. they named the man's name. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's walking down the street and he's like, hey, can somebody help me? They're trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, and Charlie has seen this happen and he goes and un um, so he lets him in. But yeah, as this shit's going down, Ethan Hawke shoots at Henry and ends up hitting Henry, but he, it, like, they don't find that out for a couple of minutes because girlfriend pulls him 
or because Zoe pulls him into a room. I hated this too. But so now the man, while all this shit's going down, the man has disappeared into their house. As um, you should. I'd be yeah. like, what is this family? Exactly. I'm getting away from these crazy people. Imagine what was going through his head. He's like running in. He literally Indiana Jones under the door and he's like, oh, thank fuck. They're shooting at each other. What the exactly. hell? Well, yeah, Ethan Hawke's yeah. like, who are you? Why are you in my house? Well, you know, you, yeah, you stay back, true. stay right, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the boyfriend shoots at him. He's like, that kid's brother just tried to kill his dad. This family's so screwed. I know. I was like, I picked the wrong house, but what are you going to do? But so they all kind of separate now and they go back into that safe camera room. Right. And Ethan's going to go try to find her. And Cersei wants to do it first. She's like, he didn't try to shoot me, so let me go. And well, he's yeah. like, no, I can't let you. Because that guy's still there. And they also don't know that the boyfriend's dead. They're not 100% sure. Right. I think they may have yeah. seen that he got shot. But, I mean, you can if get shot I'm... in the shoulder and be fine, right? So, like, they, right. Don't, they don't want the mom to go. Like He's like, Cersei, don't go because he's still alive and he might shoot you. Right. Plus, there's that random dude we have no idea about that's walking around the house. Also, if you're Ethan Hawke, you're going to be like, I'm going to go finish him off because he shot first. Yeah. And it's purge night. I mean, night it is and I purge night. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. purge night and I'm not pro purge, but that guy just tried to kill me. Yeah. That's self-defense. Right. But but this is when he does go find Henry on the floor. And we've seen him kind of bleeding with the girlfriend and the girlfriend kind of being upset. But this is when we find out that he is dead. And one of the things I do like is that they show Ethan Hawke like being upset that he has killed people. You know, I fully believe that he didn't want that to happen. Like, he right. literally saw that he was getting shot at and just grabbed his gun and shot back. Exactly. And yeah. I do think that that was, like, the right thing to do in that moment. I think so, too. I, but I'm, yeah. but it, it is unfortunate, and we do get to see him sort of go through that, fuck, man, sort of right. moment. And you I know? think that's one of the things that does, like, kind of what we were talking about earlier, that distinguishes him from the pur- the crazy yes, purge. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But what bothered me was Zoe wasn't there when he found her. Right. Zoe had gone somewhere, but like where? Why would Zoe have just left him there? And I mean, maybe she could have been afraid of the man, although I think she was just afraid that they would think she was in on it, you know? Yeah. Or just like, fuck, I'm in shock. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think that was I don't know. I I think there could have been a very, very good scene of like Ethan coming in and seeing what had happened and them sort of like, oh my God, are you okay? What the fuck just happened? I'm so sorry. I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't mean to kill him. Like you could have had like some sort of, a moment with the dad and the daughter that seems like they're not going to have to go to therapy forever. There could have been an this. emotional moment like that. He could have said all that. And she could have been like, you were right, dad. He's the, he's an asshole. He's the fucking worst. He wouldn't <laughs> right. even tell me he loved me until he was about to kill you. Well, and we see <laughs> yeah. that a little, oh, we see it to a certain extent a little bit later. Like, I think that yeah. when the movie ends, I don't feel like they're still like, like it's been resolved. Well, yeah, yeah. it has been resolved because Ethan Hawke's fucking dead. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think, I do think they have that moment before they he do. Dies. Yeah. Oh, Ethan. All right, so now we're seeing in the cameras creepy people walking up the street and um, hearing a voice outside. And so Charlie, they're looking at the monitors, and we see this guy, and he this is like the perfect casting for this role because he creeped me the fuck out, and creepy. I also hated him. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. He, he plays that role so well. Yeah, apparently he was cast like right before. Like They took a long time to try to find the right guy for this role, and I think they did a good job. I think a lot of it is face shape. I think so, too, <laughs> and the hair length. Yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah. Mm, yeah, he's got quarantine hair, like rich man quarantine <laughs> hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, they're looking at the monitor. And so he he's wearing this super creepy mask at first, and then he takes the mask off. And we're seeing that the house is all surrounded. And I wrote down a lot of his dialogue. Um, but he's he's so, like, patronizingly one percentington. Yes. Like, if we were talking about Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey being part of the 5%, this guy is, like, part of the, like, 
0.0001%. Like, yeah. I get the sense that he has, like, had a golden spoon in his mouth from the moment he was born. Very, very entitled is how I felt about him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think makes, that's the point of the metaphor. Agree. But, but so, and he's kind of tying it back to what we we're talking about. He's saying, your blue flowers and your house tell us that you support the purge. I'm sorry, your blue flowers tell us you support the purge. And your house tells us you're good folks. You're one of us. And he actually says the haves. Yeah. Um, we're fine, young, educated guys and gals that have gotten themselves gussied up. And just like the kind of language that he uses pisses me off so much. And it reminds me of that, like, yeah. skulls, like, thing at Harvard, you know? The Skull and Bone Society? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind oh, of yeah. The feeling I was getting. But he's saying the man you're sheltering is, I don't know if I want to say a lot of this stuff, because he's he's compa- comparing him to a pig. Yeah, he's calling him like livestock, which is how they view regular people. Right, yeah. Well, and they're saying- that, that would be a productive person. Like, he, like he's less than, he, he thinks this person's less than that because he's a homeless pig. He's like a drain on society. We just need to, mm-hmm. we just want to murder him and get out of these resources and help the country. I fucking hate everything about this. I do too, man. He said he had the audacity to fight back. And he and killed, killed one, one, of, one them. of us. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. And he says he doesn't know his place and now needs to be taught a lesson. And there's just so many levels of racism and classism here that yeah. is so blatant. Yeah. And that's part of And I, I don't want to say I love it, but I love that the movie is really just putting that right in your face. Oh, they push the villain in your face super hard, which I didn't hate. Because to yeah, me, I that's what capitalism does to people. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like there's like, I, I was writing about this movie a while ago. That's like, it was so many dog whistles, you know, where it's like, yeah. you're saying something and everybody who doesn't agree with you dismisses it, but the people that do agree with you hear it loud and clear. And yeah. this movie is not doing this. This movie is like, no, we're fucking racist as fuck. And yeah. we hate this guy because of this, this, this. We don't even know his name. Yeah. Um, but so they're saying you have until our provisions arrive, which is like the shit they're going to use to like break down their house um, to send him out to us. Right. And if that happens, then we'll leave you alone and we'll go on our way. But if not, if our provisions do get here and we break in, we're going to fucking kill all of you. Exactly. And that's kind of the metaphor. Like this system doesn't care about you, even if you're one of them. Yeah. You know, it's like the lottery, you know, like the Shirley Jackson story. Like eventually it's going to get to you. Well, you're not like one of them unless you're like the one percent who's protected from the purge or whatever. That wouldn't even be the one percent, Mikey. That would be like the political class. In the sequels, you'll see. You'll see all of this. You'll see the resistance. Okay. The, the, oh, yeah. It does get it, it's interesting world building in the sequels. Yeah. And a lot of seeds are here, which I think is good. And I have not seen the sequel, so forgive me. This may be way off, but I can see this being sort of like a Hunger Games-esque type world. Yeah. Well, they have some people who go out to help people during the purge. They have some people who go out to kill people. They have some people yeah. who go out to disrupt the government. It, it gets it gets interesting, yeah. And I will say, this is probably the scariest of them. The other ones yeah, are man. probably more violent than this one, but I think, like, if you could handle this one, I mean, you, I think you would be interested in the other ones. There were some pretty significant scares for me in this. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, other than realizing that we live in this metaphor already, right. that's but, really the scariest thing about this movie, but that doesn't mm-hmm. make me jump scare. That just makes me hate right. how we live, but yeah. Okay, so, but then he says, um, don't force us to hurt you. We don't want to kill our own. Just please let us purge as we're entitled to do. Yeah. Um, and then toodaloo, Sandins. Fuck that guy. Um, and then they cut the power. And oh my God, this is the best Ethan Hawke side eye that I think I have ever seen. Because <laughs> the power went out and he just looks to the side and I was like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. And then I. Are you okay? Hang on. Are you okay, Jen? Jen. <laughs> wow. Good Lord. He's so hot in this movie. He is you, very you edit dreamy. that out? I don't think that's like, I don't think Apple will let that on the <laughs> podcast. 
It does sound like Jenna saying that he could get it. Oh, God. Yeah. Jenna's saying that she got it because of that side. I know. Absolutely. Oh, my God. He's so hot. I don't know what it was about that moment, but I was I was just. I think you just said it was the side eye. Like, we get it, Jen. Yeah. Jen, you don't have to go into any more detail. We have context clued it out. We cracked the case. Okay. The power's down. And they're in their room, and she's like, well, they can't get in, so we're safe. So we just have to stay away from that guy. And this is when we find out that, uh, not so much, because what Ethan Hawke's security systems are based on is the threat of force rather than actual force. Well, no, he was like, look, I have steel, we have steel barriers in all our windows and doors, but like, yeah. it's not impenetrable, which makes sense. It's not, it's not Fort right. Knox yeah, or whatever. Nothing's impenetrable. Well, yeah, right, which I think is good to say, but I mean, he sold these as if they were impenetrable, which I think is part of the problem and why grace neighbor has a good reason to be mad at him because how much money did he make on just like putting steel barricades in front of doors you know but what he says is it's not built for worst case scenarios like the fucking purge what is a worst case scenario if it's not yeah no the worst case scenario is like people coming with specialized tools and equipment to tear down wall. Like in the purge, you just think but like riots. No, no, no. This is like a targeted mm. attack. All of that is a realistic expectation for the purge. But he says things like this aren't supposed to happen in our neighborhood. Now, he does say and that. And it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like putting a security system sign in your yard without actually getting the security system. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying like the, that would be like selling the social security system, but only installing the sign in front of your house. Yeah. You know, like you're billing it as protection for this thing that you can't actually right. provide. All right. So they're making their plan. And yeah. So Lena Hetty was like, well, fuck, like so that now they can get in and like, yeah, they all, absolutely can, which is the problem with Perch. And I think that's another thing that I like about this movie is he has said, like, we have enough money to protect ourselves. But what? we find out is that protection isn't real. And it doesn't matter how much money you throw into the system. If you turn against the system, the system doesn't get a fuck about you. You You may not turn against the system and it still may turn on you. Exactly. Yeah. You could do everything right. And because it's a fucking fucked up system, it still is going to eventually turn on you because they publicly support the purge and it has still come to their door. Mm -hmm. So their plan now is to find the man that's come in and they're just going to give him what they want. That kid killed his whole family. If that kid didn't let him in, right. it would have been fine. Charlie is the reason Ethan Hawke dies. Yep. Yeah, because Charlie is now saying, but yeah, if we take him out, like they're going to yes. kill him. And then Ethan Hawke's like, yeah, but they'll kill us yeah. too, you know? This part reminded me a lot of Sinister, and I wonder if this is starting where some of the jump scares started for you, Todd. It is, yeah. Yeah, because he's walking through the house with a gun and a flashlight, and we're seeing blood on the walls. Cersei's looking too, and we're hearing like voices, like creepy voices from outside with like the, the Manson family cult. I did I love Cersei walking into the house because she has two pistols. She is dual wielding <laughs> pistols. But I was mad, and I sort of get it with you know what happens at the end. Why we never get to see her be like a badass? Yeah. But I really wanted to see her be a badass, dude. And they don't—they don't really set it up like she's about to be here, but they do later. Although it, it doesn't fit with her character, right? With yeah. the way it ends, I get it. But right. I really wanted that. So now we see um, Timmy Cam is moving around the dark house, and that's yeah, when that baby tank, baby, baby tank, tank, yeah. Hashtag baby tank. So he, <laughs> he sees the man, and he's hiding behind the couch. Because that's a great place to hide. I mean, it's dark. I don't. Well, I mean, he doesn't know the layout of the house. Like, you know, he's yeah. at a disadvantage here. And I did think that this was insane. Like, we're supposed to assume that he can't see Baby Tank rolling up on him, but Baby Tank has one red eye, and in mm-hmm. a dark room, that's all you'd see. Right. But anyway, so Baby Tank rolls up on him, and he like flashes his brights at him, mm-hmm. and then I guess through the power of fuckery, he just like 
oh, I should follow Baby Tank. Yeah, well, Baby Tank was programmed to love. So he <laughs> and communicate. But yeah, right. so he figures out and I guess it's like flashing and then moving back a little bit and flashing and moving back a little bit. Yeah. So he's like, OK, dude, you can follow me. So he goes into Charlie's secret closet. We did see that he also grabbed a knife from the kitchen, which is smart. Yes. But Circe is also sort of like right behind him, doesn't know she is close to him. Right. But she goes into Charlie's room and he's in there and like she's looking around for him and she moves the closet. There's like that whole Back and forth of is she going to find him? We're like, thank God she didn't find him, right? Right, yeah. Because either he'd die or she'd die, right? Mm -hmm. Just from a, a protection on both sides, right. right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think he wants to hurt anybody. He just doesn't want to. I don't die. think she does right. either, really. Exactly, yeah. But anyway, so then we see Baby Tank sort of rolling around, and the first little jump scare was the sister popping in front of Baby Tank, right? And that wasn't a super jump scare, but it sort of set up some stuff that's about to come. It did, yeah. And she's like, okay, stay where you are, stay safe. I'm going to go to your secret hiding spot, right. which is the worst idea ever because we know that he's there. Right, but before that happens, the man wants to have another word with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, we may have to call the guy at the front door something other than the man. I called him blonde asshole. Let's call him Eric Trump. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get sued, but yeah. Yeah. Bobo Eric Trump at the front door mm. is now wanting to talk to Ethan Hawke. And he's asking, hey, why haven't you sent this guy out? And he's yeah. like, uh, because I've fucking, like, uh, have you seen how big my house is? He's hiding. We haven't found him. And I'm trying to find him. Yeah. But Ethan Hawke is like, and my son let him in. This is just a misunderstanding. And the guy has yeah. this moment where he's like laughing, but then he's like, I don't fucking care. I still want you to get this guy out, or I'm going to come in and kill all of you. Yeah. But this is when the friend comes up and he's like screaming in the face and the guy just do doesn't even look and just shoots him. And he's like, that guy was my friend and you are not. So imagine what's going to happen to you and we will get in. I can get whatever I want. I can do. It's just this entitlement bullshit all over the place. Yeah. What I fucking hated about that, uh, again, and this is why the purge doesn't work in actuality, but the metaphor is great. He would not shoot your friend because he's loud. Like, God, I hope not. I don't like loud noises, guys. <laughs> Jin would shoot me without looking so many times. I know. So, but like, what is this guy's moral code? Is it like he hates the homeless and the loud? Like, none of that, like, really makes sense in reality. I think he just hates everybody. And because who he really hates is himself. Is himself. And yeah. his dad. Probably. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 He has a micro penis. Um, but I also... Like, I, I wondered what these guys are like on other days, because I do think there's probably an element of them just kind of amping themselves up and it's purge night and I'm just going all ham all over the place and yeah. like not thinking through anything. And and we'll kind of get into this a little bit at the very end with how this all wraps up. But yeah, I mean, you do still have to go back to your life. Um, and another one of my fun facts early, one of the people that was making this movie said half the people who watch this think it's a cautionary tale and the other half watch this and think it's a really good idea. And like, I think what we're saying is if you're one of those second half, like this doesn't work. This you think this is going to like release all of your tension. And no, it doesn't because you still have to live in the world the next day. Yeah. yeah. What you need is therapy. Exactly. And so now, meanwhile, um, Ethan is still looking around and we go back to Max's room. and We find out that Zoe did make it to the closet. And now the man has her and is holding a gun to her head. Yes. He says, I don't want to hurt any of you. I'll let her go when the purge is over. 
I just want to live through this night. And this like exchange with them, I just loved because he's like, they're like, we didn't do anything wrong. We're not the ones who want you. And he's like, I don't deserve this either. Like they all just don't want to die. And that's the thing. Like when you put people in this system, you're almost forcing them to compete with each other to survive. And so that's how like, that's how the patriarchy supports itself is by pitting the people on the lower levels against each other. So they don't focus on what's at the top. That's not just the patriarchy. That is what the 1% does. But I mean, it is the same sort of structure. Right. Just like with systemic racism is the same way. It is. It's like white capitalist patriarchy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's saying this to the man. He said, look, you are going to die tonight. You can either die like a man and walk out the door or you can die like a coward and take my family with you. And just the dismissiveness of how he's talking to this person as if they're an animal. And like, it's just your time, you know, and like you could go into like vegetarianism too. like they're treating this person like I I didn't read it like that. I read it like I'm going to try to reason with you because I want my family to live. And like either way, you're going to die either. They're going to come in here and kill you or you're going to go out there and die. But like one way you save the lives of my children. And he's like, I need you to go outside. I think he's trying to plead with him. No, I agree. I agree with that. But he's still positioning himself as your life is over. Well, I think that was I don't think that was like him making a value judgment. I think it was like practically your life is over. No matter what happens tonight, you're going to die. Well, he could have said, let's try to save all of us. I don't think he Ethan Hawke's character, his values. He only cares about one thing. It's his family. Nothing else. Nothing else matters. Not society, not his neighbors, not, you know, money might a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's his kids and his wife. Well, for a little bit. But he's about to have a turning point. Well, he's going to have a turning point. But I mean, like, yeah. but I mean, that his, this is his, like, moral compass right now. So he's telling them. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's telling them. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm like, your life is not as valuable to me my as family's, my family's. Which, you yeah. know, everybody right. says that. I get it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> if you had to pick a stranger over your children, you wouldn't do it. But as this is happening, Cersei is right behind him. And so, and Ethan kind of blows up her spot a little bit. Although I do think she doesn't want to shoot this person and that's why she hasn't yet. But so he ends up slamming Zoe into the wall and like there's a whole bunch of chaos and they end up getting the man and they can tie him up and they're trying to like get him into the chair. Yeah, Ethan like rustles him to the ground and knocks him out. But Zoe, her head hit the wall and she's also knocked out. Right, yeah, yeah. But they do get them into this like side room where they're duct taping up the man, Mm -hmm. the soldier, the veteran. Yep. And then Zoe's also laying there on the floor and, you know, Charlie's holding the flashlight. and They're just trying to get him the man up in the chair. Right, right. And so he's that saying, they can drag him outside. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that. They're like, you know. Um, and so, but he's like resisting and he tells Cersei to stick the letter opener into his wound. Yes. And, uh, uh, and she yeah. doesn't want to do it, but she does. And I mean, again, there's just such complex motivations and it just goes back to the system that is not designed to protect either of these groups, you know. Yeah, but one of those groups is actively propping them up. Right. They're actively propping that system up. Right, exactly. And so, you know, this is what happens. Um, yep. So they finally get him into the chair. And, and, oh, I just hated how he says, like, you're making this so much harder than it has to be. Like, this I know. Is, I ugh, fucking this is just hated diminishing that. the way they're talking. Like, dim- yeah, you're making your murder much more difficult than it needs to be. Exactly. In my opinion. Oh, Mikey. I think he was dehumanizing him to make it easier on him to be able to, to give him up. Oh, so yeah, agree. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't think he is inhuman. I'm just thinking he's like, he is very practical. 
He's like, I've got to save my family. I've got to save my family. You're dead. You're dead. No matter what I do, you're dead. I've got to hand you over. But that's the motivation behind the purge on a small scale. Because what we're yeah. saying is the economy is the most important thing for me. And so they're devaluing entire classes of people to support the economy. I, so it's just where you no, choose to value. I don't value. think it's a micro metaphor. Oh, I do. It definitely no, is. I, I think he just wants to save his family. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure the people just want to save the economy. They just want to save their jobs, you know? We're talking about our like the purge in general. Right, like yeah, not, yeah. not necessarily Ethan Hawke's motivation, because Ethan Hawke's motivation changes throughout the course of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm just talking about Ethan Hawke's motivation in this scene. And so what I'm saying is, because I'm not saying Ethan Hawke is wrong, and I'm not saying I wouldn't probably have the same thoughts and maybe do exactly what he did. What I'm saying right. is that's where it starts. And when you embrace that kind of ideology and you start excusing and dehumanizing people to like fit your narrative or your values, you end up with these big systems who just dismiss entire parts of the population which is what we have done to each other's parties in america which is why there's such a divide and i think 10 years ago yes Mm -hmm. but one side of the political spectrum is unwilling to have an actual conversation about yes and that's where the system is breaking down they will only have bad faith arguments yes they won't have fact-based arguments yeah but not every single person in that political spectrum is like that true but they are propping up a system that is doing that and that is in the pocket of russia and that is fucking breaking down society to a racist fucking us against each other level but so fuck them and fuck everyone who supports them but but there's a lot of never trump people who like buying political ads against him and things like that yeah and those are people who are fighting the system from within which right. I'm all about. All and I'm not defending the right. I'm just saying like we can't dis they they are still forty percent of people, so there has to be a way to move forward together. So like can't just dismiss conservatism or you're gonna have it's just not gonna work. You have to like I'm not dismissing conservatism. That is right. not what we have in power. No, no, right no, 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 no. We have a Trump party in power. And Republicans don't exist anymore. There are no Republicans. There are people who call themselves Republicans and there are like never Trumpers mm-hmm. who are conservatives but don't like Trump. And right. they just can't form a third party right. because they would be obsolete. Right. It's rough for everybody. But like how much effort should I on the left have to spend convincing you that I am a human being and that I matter? Absolutely. You should have to spend zero effort. Exactly. You have to spend a lot of effort. And that's what you're talking about with the zero faith arguments is like yeah. it, it's just like we're arguing about we're living in different realities and arguing about nothing well it's because people don't argue in person anymore they just argue on facebook no i'll argue with you in person i'm i'm not a conservative <laughs> like, let's do this and i also think that's an easy like way to dismiss it too i think there's just like people are arguing things that serve them and they don't care about other people and they're saying yeah. oh it's just people are just so rude and it's because we're arguing there's a lot of excuses going on when it's really just hey care about other people absolutely you know? Yeah, like the mask. The stuff mask is stuff is insanity. insane oh right now. Like, if you think your personal freedom extends to getting yourself and then killing your family and any elderly person you come in contact with, mm-hmm. what is wrong with people? Exactly. I don't like wearing a mask. Nobody but I does. Do it I don't want to get sick, and I don't want to get people around no. me. Sick. I have to wear it for work all the time. Jesus I hate Christ. it. It sucks. It does it, suck. I hate yeah, it too. You're, you're right. I'm just saying, Ethan Hawke is not a bad guy. He's just doing what he can to make his family survive. It. it the end of the day, you would murder a random guy to save your family. And that's how it is. Those aren't his only two options. That right. motherfucker is a soldier. They have guns. What you do is you go to the front door and be Which like, Which is what they do. No, it's not what they do. Well, what they do is something completely different. What they should have done is say, 
all right, soldier, we're going to heavily arm you up. Mm-hmm. And you and me and my wife and maybe our kids are going to fucking murder these 1% assholes that are coming in here. So I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to say I'm having trouble dragging you out because you're too heavy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're going to come in to come get you. And we're going to wait on either side of them. As they walk past us, we're going to fucking murder every one of these purging assholes. And then the movie's over and everyone that you care about plus the middle class guy gets to live. That is not something that he sees. But anyway, I mean, it's not what he does because he's not a great guy. But this is where the turning point happens because Cersei is like, for some of them, yeah, Cersei's like, holy fuck, I just like stabbed this dude in his open wound. Like looking at Ethan Hawke is like, what is wrong with you? Like, and she even says, don't touch me. Like, this is not who we are. And so this is where I think you start to see her motivations and you start to distinguish her from him because I don't think she is as on board with all of this as he is. Right. you know right and this is when like he gets a lot of shame from them and he's like saying that, like okay now we're gonna fight so he gives charlie the gun like this is when he gets has the turning point and i think it's because when he sees the reaction of his family like yeah w- yeah yeah we might all live through this but i don't know if i want to be with you anymore right. if this is the person mm-hmm. you are you know right i mean maybe that's how you change people's minds you know, you're like, no, I, this is, I draw the line at this and I don't want to be your friend anymore. If you're going to post that shit on Facebook. I mean, I think that's absolutely what you have to do. And I think a lot of that's happening right now, especially on social media. Like I, I have so people too. in my family that if they post shit that is like insane and racist, I'll be like, Hey, this is embarrassing that you post this and that you have these beliefs. Please stop saying this stuff publicly or stop thinking it privately. Yeah. Cause this is horrible shit. Like these are my cousins I'm talking to. Mm. And a lot of them have just blocked me which is fucking fine because I don't want to be their family member if they believe this racist shit. But we live in an area of the country where sometimes your family members are going to be shitty people. Right. I'm fine to let that go. I don't think it matters where you live. I think you're going to have shitty family. That's true, too. Like I live in San Diego and I saw more Confederate flags flying on the backs of cars in San Diego than I do here. So, like, you're right, Mikey. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say, too, as a person with PTSD, like sometimes those conversations are really scary. And it's okay if you just stop talking to those people, you know, like there are a lot of different ways to handle that kind of stuff. I also want to say like, it cannot just be black and brown people that have those conversations because the emotional burden of that is so heavy and it's unsafe a lot of times. So like it's on people that are not personally affected by this a lot of times to make those kind of have those kinds of conversations and make those. And it can't just be Facebook. Like these are, I mean, like if really what people should be doing is if you meet somebody that you disagree with, you should have dinner with them. Yeah. I'm not going to fuck fucking have dinner with somebody who's going to vote for fucking Brett Kavanaugh, though. Susan Collins can eat by herself. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, Mikey, but I, it's just, there's, the thing is there's there's a lot of nuance here. You don't here have and to, but I mean, like, if you're going to be the type of person who just argues on the internet, then you should be going out and, like, having those talks in person because in person, there's a lot more empathy and there's a lot more less personal attacks and there's a lot more listening. Discourse works better in person. Also gonna say though, it shouldn't have to happen to your sister for you to care about it. And know? that's why I don't like Ethan Hawke in this yeah. movie. And I feel like the main characters in this movie are not good people because they publicly support the purge until the purge comes to their door and they're like, 
oh, wait, this might actually be a bad thing. Oh, now yeah. that it affects no me. No shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's I what mean, bothers me most. Yeah. And that's, yeah, just as somebody who's currently dealing with a lot of that bullshit, like, it's just, it's so frustrating to me that that is what it takes to get you to care about other people. And I understand, like, you just don't see out of your bubble, but it's still just fucking frustrating. And it yeah. feels like the burden is so much on the people that are affected by it every day. And we have to, like, coddle these people that are saying all this terrible shit all the time and like no i'm not gonna fucking code my words anymore like racism is bad and i shouldn't have to say it in a way that makes you feel comfortable for me to be able to say it you know you shouldn't have to say it at all jen exactly see anyway i guess i view ethan hawk's family as they weren't supporting the purge they were just praying to god they never got involved with anything real and it came crashing through their house and I think that's the point of the movie. I, I think he was fully aware that at any time this could happen. He just wanted to keep as much distance and pretend it didn't happen as much as possible. And I think that's the overall point of the movie mm-hmm. is that you can't. Right. All right. So so now Charlie has a gun and he's going down into the basement and Ethan Hawke and Cersei are going to fight. And so they are, um, they both have guns and he's like explaining what to do. An asshole blonde guy is saying, okay, your time is essentially up. And that motherfucker and his big words that just make me hate him so much and big (laughs) words are great but just the way like whoever wrote the script for this did a fantastic job writing his lines because agree anyways but this is when he's saying he exists only for our needs and to purge and let the killing commence and so now they're ripping the barricades off the house yeah and this is when i wrote down why wouldn't they untie the man and say hey help us can you help us this is yeah this is the part that doesn't make any sense to me this is when the movie breaks down completely because like if you're gonna have that change why not untie him and be like we're sorry for stabbing you we're really scared i want to protect my family will you help us although i mean they did just stab him so yeah but but i mean like i think he gets it like hey we were gonna you know we're all gonna die let's die together or whatever Oh, yeah. And because one thing we forgot to say is while he's sitting in the chair, he's like, I get it. Just push me out there. Save yeah. your family. Everyone in that scene literally has a reverse of position. So the guy who's been hiding, trying not to die is like, you know what? I get it. Just send me out there. I get it. Right. And then everyone in the family is like, I guess Charlie still has been anti-purge the whole time. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is like, no, let's fucking fight. Right. And let's save ourselves, but by fighting and ending this, you know? So that was an interesting scene. It was. So now the blonde guy is in the house and they're all starting to break in. And this is the part that I, I think I like the most about the movie because it's just very tense and creepy. All right. So there, a bunch of them are coming into the house and they've got like, this is when the girl's skipping down the hall with like her, a bunch so of dumb. knives and her creepy mask. Charlie's in the basement. Um, The door's open and then there's a guy right there. And I wrote all the, the jump scares stuff in all caps so that i would remember did this part get you done fuck yes it fucking scared the shit out of me man yeah so charlie has a gun but he's what like 12 or 13 and like probably doesn't yeah. know what to do and so this guy's like right in front of his face um it's pitch dark so and then this part really upset me because charlie's like he's dragging charlie across the floor by his hair yeah. and about to just shoot him point blank in the head and then ethan hawk shoots the guy from behind and so it's saved but i was like jesus christ this kid is gonna need so much therapy after this because well yeah and he, he kills his father but yeah we'll, well get yeah, there. yeah yeah therapy has been outlawed in the world of the purge i mean it probably has <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right um but so this is when the blonde guy like sister is hiding under the bed which is a uh, most obvious place to hide ever did she learn nothing from taken 
I know. Liam Neeson's not in this movie to save you. I mean, he she might as well be hiding like behind the door or in a closet or something. <laughs> or just like laying on the bed waiting for them. Exactly. But he's like seeing a picture of her in the hallway and he's, oh, just smarmy smarmin. He says, she's exquisite. Save her for me, which. Yeah. But his assholeness saves her in that moment because the guy who's about to find her walks away. And then Cersei is in the hallway and some guy just kind of peers into the window with that creepy mask. And it's yeah. so creepy. And a lot of this is happening at the same time. And I'm trying to kind yeah. of keep it straight. It's just like cut back and forth. It is. And it's awesome. And I love it because the whole house is dark. It's got that sinister vibe. Everybody's walking around with flashlights and guns and creepy masks. This is one of the reasons I don't like the 1% purgers. Is because all the guys have guns and they're sort of badass with their guns. Mm -hmm. All the female 1% purgers are just like skipping around with knives and axes. Uh, duh, women yeah. can't I, own guns in this world. It just made me so mad. Like if I was a girl in this world, I'd want a gun and I wouldn't be skipping around a house. I'd be like trying to kill people, I guess. Well, according right. to the 1%, your place is in the kitchen. <laughs> None of the guns were pink, so they weren't <laughs> yeah, able exactly. to operate that. It's insane. <laughs> it's just so insane. This is where I feel like the director was like, wouldn't it be creepy if they were just skipping around like they didn't have a care in the world? And I was like, no, it's not creepy. It's stupid and literally takes me out of the movie and lowers the stakes of the movie. I thought in the bonus room scene, like that couple was just like trying to find a place to make out. They weren't really into it for the murder. And then they were yeah. like, oh, fuck, yeah. Which I actually kind of like because it, yeah. this whole thing reminded me of the Skull and Crossbones thing from Harvard. And I was like, oh, those are the kind of girls that would go along with assholes like that as they just think they, this is all fun and games and here you go, here's a big knife and it's going to be great. What I did at by is that so many of them would be on board for this without wanting to have guns. It's like if you're exactly yeah, if you're the kind of person who's just going to wander around with a big machete, because I could see like if you're on if it's Halloween and you just want a cool costume, but then when it comes to actually sticking that machete into a person or attacking someone with an axe, that's where I feel like some of this skipping down the hall thing starts to break down when it's actually real. Well, yeah, because you know? why would you leave the house? Where anyone can murder you without, like, really loading up on some, like, real protection. Because you yeah. think you're invincible and that the stakes won't ever affect you. It's, yeah, it's the same reason this blonde guy. Why would you wear a mask? I get it. Oh, God. Right. And so this is the scene, this is the scene I think that I like the most. Um, and Because the couple, it's like the piggyback couple. They're, like, flirting in the hall and they've got their yeah. weapons. And then they walk in and Ethan Hawke has just killed somebody with his giant, like, handle gun. And then he it's shoots a shotgun at them. with a handle on yeah. it. Yeah, and it's like you can. All <laughs> I did not like that because it's not a huge shotgun or like a. It just just cock it like a normal shotgun. I don't understand. It's fine, whatever. It's for the recoil, Mikey. <laughs> it's like you can almost hear their oh shit realization of oh fuck, this is real. I could die when like yeah. because she's on his back and he shoots. It's almost like he shoots in the middle and they jump off. But then like she gets an axe and he gets a shotgun and this is some fucking badass fighting. And yeah. I love it because I'm even, here for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like people shooting and like knocking like the guns away or like choking, but it's all like really brutally realistic, which is what is really effective for me. But yeah. So Ethan Hawke does eventually kill both of them. He does. She he shoots the girl with the shotgun and then mm -hmm. through losing the shotgun through fighting with the teenager or the, the man that's in there. Right. He eventually gets the ax and like kills him in the back. And then he does what you should do. Anytime you're not sure if someone's dead or not, yep. he shoots them both in the fucking head with a shotgun to make sure they're dead. Absolutely. Double tap. Mm -hmm. And then he yeah. goes over and he has this. Okay, hold on. I just got to talk about this for a minute. Is it about how sexy he is? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but so he like has gone and like double tap and he's like just done all this badass fighting. And then he stands back up and oh my God, I wrote in my notes and I just got pregnant because he yeah. is so hot in the scene. Oh my God, I can't stand it. 
I need to take a 45 minute shower. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like 50 <laughs> years old when they filmed this. Oh my God. And I he know. looks amazing. Let's just say he doesn't even need a sweater. Okay. <laughs> he is sweater exempt. He is, yes. That is honestly the highest praise you can get from Jennifer. I'm still questioning why him like killing nine people is like what really gets her going, you know? She likes a man that can protect her. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, although I do feel like I could probably <laughs> fend for myself, but oh my god. No, it's just something yeah. it's just hot. It's so hot. You'd shave your head and kill those teens. I, I, I totally it. would. Yeah. Absolutely. But it is terrible that he's killed these people. And he walks over to the girl, and I think he sees the girl. Now, now that her mask is off and I liked this moment because he's like fuck like there's this like moment of humanization like yeah, she was a real person too even though she was totally yeah. evil and I don't think I'm not saying he did anything wrong but like the emotional weight of killing someone even when it's in self-defense or even when it's defending your family for somebody who has emotions and is not a psychopath is gonna weigh on it's you it's still gonna fuck you up yeah. exactly and that's yeah. one thing I think this movie shows well I just want to say I don't think it's hot that he killed those people I think he <laughs> is hot hot take and he just happened to have killed people exactly so everything <laughs> the day has been saved and everybody's happy and it's great. Oh, not so fast because now Mr. Blonde Asshole is there and just stabs him in the stomach with this gigantic hunting knife. It's like a foot long machete. And it goes yeah, all it's insane. Uh, yeah. It does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way he's not dead. So, as this is, he's like standing over him with his knife like inside him and he's saying, like, I wrote a lot of this down, too, because that was interesting. He said, your soul has been cleansed. You've purged. Because, I mean, you could look at it as he just killed a bunch of people, too, although it was not the same situation. But he says, was his life really worth yours or the, the lives of your families? Right. Which kind of goes back to everything we've been talking about. Right. Um, and then he's like, thank you for this unforgettable purge. Well, then he kisses him on the forehead. It, this, yeah. this villain is so creepy. He's a true sociopath. Like, he is insane. Yeah. You start to see, like, people closing in on the teens that are still outside, the 1% shitbag teen purgers. Yes. And they start killing those kids. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Who's killing the purgers, right? And what we're going to find out. Well, we're going to find that out in a minute so and this part really bothered me too Cersei has a gun but there's a masked girl and so a masked girl and a guy get her and they're like dragging her down the hall and like tickling her and fucking with her yeah and Jesus. about yeah, to man. stab her with this gigantic knife and I just love Lena Headey in this role because I think I really believe how terrified oh, she yeah. is and like she's amazing like they don't see you as a human being anymore like when she right. was tickling her I was like how terrifying would that be to know that they are entertaining themselves with my my death you know yeah but so then they get shot before they can kill her and we find out that it was the neighbors that shot yeah. them and so hooray the day is saved right and so the family gets back together and they're all bleeding and they're all like oh my god dad's gonna die and charlie this is definitely your fault <laughs> yeah but they don't say like they're nice but it is no, a sad they never <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it is been so ethan hawk does die and there's this yes. like this thing that had happened earlier where he has a vital sign watch and like you just hear his heart stop and it's really sad yeah yeah um, it is blonde asshole walks up and he's like thank you for your sacrifice blessed be america and he's about to shoot them all and then he gets shot a bunch of times and that's when we find out that it was the neighbors that shot right 
were there too. Yeah. And then Circe is like, oh my God, thank you for saving us. Uh And then the blonde lady, who was like the caddy lady from before, no blinker lady. Yeah. We didn't save you from them. We saved you for ourselves. Right, right. Don't thank us too soon because you're ours, not theirs. And so they drag Ethan away because he's dead. And in this, oh God, this disturbed me so much. They're tying them all up. And she's like, please just like, don't hurt my fucking kids. And they're like screaming in each other's faces. Kill me. Let my kids go. Yeah. I just want to hold my kids while they die. Oh, my God. It just really upset me. And asking why they're doing this. And this is when her whole greed motivation comes out. And she said, like, she has to do this. This is what this night is all about. And I could see her, like, if she is fully bought into this, this is how I can get rid of these feelings of jealousy. Like, these feelings of jealousy are making me. Yeah, they're, they're ruining my life when it's not just, like, just dealing with your emotions. That's yeah. what you need to deal with your shit. Exactly. And killing I these hate people her so much. I mean, you're Me supposed too. to. I'm right. not mad at the movie for that. But so it's time for them to do their duty as Americans. They all get their knives out and they're like, all right, well, whose turn is it? And that was another thing that d- disturbed me was like the mundanity of them killing these people. And then we yeah. get Timmy Cam walking by and or sorry, baby tank distracts so that the man is able to shoot one guy, punch another guy and grab Grace, who's the unblinking neighbor. And put a gun to their head. And so he yeah. is has saved the day. And he says, put all your weapons down. And they're all just staring at each other. And I really liked this part of the movie. Because it's terrible neighbors with no weapons. And him with a gun and his family. And they're all facing each other. And he says, it's your call. And she says, no. She says, no, we're not, we're not killing. Like, we're going right. to play the rest of this night out in peace. Which I, yeah, I, that's what I would want to Nah, hope that I would do. I'd probably murder you know? the neighbors. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I... or at least shoot them all in the legs. I mean, I just <laughs> you know, like. Ugh. But so she says she chooses not to, and that's like, yeah, it might cost me my life, but this is what I believe is the right thing to do. And I right. understand why it's hard to say that sometimes, and it would be hard to give up your life and the life of your children. But like, there are times when I feel like if more people made moral stands, we would be in a better place right now. But so now they're all sitting around at this, and it's like the sun is coming up, and it's like this awkward table. It literally <laughs> cuts from like deep in the night, right, mm-hmm. to like six fifty-eight a.m. Right, and they're all sitting around a table like just chatting yeah she's like yeah was the purge nice and that one dude is like yeah it was nice dip i guess yeah and was then, the purge party nice right, yeah. right yeah yeah and so then they're the kids are over there like mourning their dad and as cersei looks over like blonde lady tries to grab her weapon and kill her one last time i did love this part I did, too, I did too because he doesn't kill her like Cersei just fucks her nose up and <laughs> like slams her head to the table like three times. Yeah. Like- yeah, exactly. And then almost immediately the sirens go off and it, she's like, fuck. <laughs> well, see you next year. I know. Yeah. And I think <laughs> and she says, now get the hell out of my house. And they just all walk away. And the man, he's and the like soldier starts to leave. Yeah. yeah the veteran. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of have their like, thank you. Are you going to be OK? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, she stabbed him a bunch of times in his open wound. So, you yeah. know, it's not like they're like going to go have a heartfelt hug at this point. No. And, and she has other things to take care of, like her right. husband's dead and their kids are grieving. Exactly. And she's got some shit to do. Yeah, yeah. He's probably like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Your house is 
There's like 30 bodies in your house. I got to get out of here. Exactly. But I did like there's a shot of her hands with blood on them. And I was like, okay, yeah. So she did the right thing in this one moment, but that doesn't let her off the hook, you know? Right. And then they all stand in the doorway and Charlie watches the man walk away. And there are just tons of sirens and they all stand in the door. And then we start getting reports from around the country saying like new founding fathers released a statement saying this was the most successful purge yet, which of course they're going to fucking say. And they say people have gathered in Times Square, all the people who were purging, holding a vigil thanking everyone who was killed tonight with for their sacrifice and that is just so fucked up and i think goes into yeah. that narrative of you have to believe this cult mentality to go along with something like this in the first place i mean that is what it takes to not wear a mask that exactly. part really reminded me of the coronavirus stuff with like sacrificing yeah. people for the economy so are they going to uh-huh. straight up have a vigil which like these people died so the economy could recover like that's so fucked i don't think they'd ever do that do you think they wouldn't do it they might do it i think that would mean admitting how many people actually did die i think they're much too selfish to do that i, I, I don't because then, then they would have to face what they're actually doing mm-hmm. and not what they're lying to themselves about what they're doing right because they want to say it's a scam it's not actually happening mm-hmm. the government or whatever is making it up and it's not a real thing. Yeah. Well, like I said, individuals say that to themselves because it's way easier to believe that, which is a a propaganda being kind of sold to them than thinking I'm a selfish person and I'm killing people. I mean, honestly, everyone whose family has died of a coronavirus death should be able to sue Fox News for downplaying the severity of it because they literally have deaths on their hands. They do. There's data to back that up. Look at Herman Cain. He tweeted about not having to wear a mask because it's American, blah, 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 blah. He goes to the Tulsa rally and then it's tweeted for him. Herman Cain has COVID viruses is now in the hospital. Like that's like the slap yeah. in the face that people are having to get to like be like, maybe it's not a hoax. Because for a certain segment of the population, if it doesn't impact them, they don't give a shit about it. And it's just a lack of empathy. It's all a lack of empathy. Yep. And that's what makes you a sociopath. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. <laughs> so we've talked about it. We've uh, we watched it. We talked about it. Let's get some final thoughts. What do you guys think? I hate talking about politics. <laughs> but let's actually talk about it. Let's let's do actual final thoughts that we can like leave in the podcast. I loved this movie. I liked it a lot yeah. more this time um, because I think like when I watched it in 2013, I was like, yeah, that's an interesting concept. And I can see seeds of that, but that'll never happen. You know, it's totally happening right now. I yeah. know. And I mean, not to the same extent, but I mean, it's like you can right. see that in the next five years. You I know? would say it is to the same extent. It's just not as overt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's not yeah. as blatant and in your face, which means it's not as provable to people who are not going to be convinced that it's right. happening. Instead of waging actual warfare on your brothers and sisters and neighbors you're waging biological warfare by like not wearing a mask right this is the non-dog whistle version of what is happening right now yes i grew up i spent a lot of time in the south and like a lot of people me too think they're empathetic and they just don't vote that way yep and they vote against their interests because right. of single issue but, and then like, but yeah. if like if they saw someone who needed help they usually help them they just don't vote that way I know a lot of really great conservatives in the south right yeah well and because like it, it benefits them in a lot of ways like yes they might be voting against their own interests in some ways but like the immediate tangible right now is that it helps keep me at the top of this chain but her emails you know that's right. the thing I'm gonna latch on to to allow me to vote for this racist asshole and I think I related yeah. a lot with Ethan Hawke because I feel trapped where like I can't really speak my mind and I I mean I could but I would lose a lot of the good parts of my life and I grew up like that like I went to school in Mississippi a lot 
you know, I have my personal beliefs, which are very liberal and to the left. And then I have to like survive society to make it through because I also like being liked, which is like a problem I have. It's a personal problem. Right. Well, yeah. And I have that, too. And I think we're just kind of getting to a point and I, I don't know if maybe I just feel this sooner, but like we're we're comparing like our comfort in our social situations with people literally getting killed and getting raped. Absolutely. Because of these systemic changes. And that's the thing. Like a lot of us don't have the luxury of just pretend like going along. Oh. You know, yeah. We have to, you know. I really like yeah. the movie. I really related to Ethan Hawke's character because I couldn't speak out about my own political beliefs for a long time in my family and where I went to school and all of that stuff. I would say if a family member doesn't think people deserve equal rights or that, you know, the poor aren't worth saving on some level, they should not be my family anymore. And I'm fine to tell them that. Like, that's just how I feel about it. And I understand that that's hard for some people to grasp, but I don't care what my family member thinks about me. If they think that they are better than people or that it's okay to hold racist beliefs or that the poor people should be just, you know, dealt with and just pushed off to the side or the homeless people are fine to just stay homeless and die on the streets, then they're not a member of my family. It's hard. That's that's hard. It is hard. I agree. I mean, but I really like this movie. As a movie, it doesn't work great because The Purge really couldn't happen in any real systematic way. It doesn't work as a movie, but it works great as a metaphor. And it like I think now more than it was in 2013 is a great jumping off point to talk about some really heavy shit like we talked about today. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah, this is definitely a Jen movie. <laughs> I think it's a Todd movie. Yeah. I fucking love Jenning all over this movie because I love just blowing up people's spots when they're being racist or classist or whatever. Oh, yeah. And this movie really allows you to have those conversations, which I think is interesting. Todd, so I will say, I think you will like the ne the next three or at least find I them I really want to see them. Like, watching this movie made me really want to watch the next ones. Like, I'm really excited to watch them because yeah. I really want, like, the, yeah, the, story, the middle more class story. allegories to, like, blow up up the 1%. But let's talk box office. Let's do. So, what do you guys think the budget for this movie was? 15 million. 5 million. Okay. The budget was 3 million dollars. Oh. Boom. Yeah, Blumhouse is lots of times real low budget. Right. And you also said that uh, Ethan Hawke, who would arguably be the biggest paid actor in this movie, did it for scale. Yeah. And got, I guess, like points on the back end or something. And I think I'm saying worked for scale right. I'm not exactly sure. I honestly don't know either, but so I'm I, not going to hold you accountable. But yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So if you do know what that means, don't tell us. But yeah, so what he did was he took a, he took a much smaller paycheck for getting a percentage of how much the movie makes rather than taking a big lump sum to do the movie and then not benefit from the, from I, I know because Natalie's an actress and she does stuff at scale. That mm -hmm. is like, so what SAG has dictated and like negotiated because they actually have one of the last unions in the world uh, has negotiated as like someone's day rate. So if he did oh, okay. it for that, he got paid like a, a very, very low for him day rate. It's still good money, but it's very, very low for him. So are you saying he would get paid what everyone else on the set would have gotten paid for that, right? Despite who he is? Yeah. So like as a big name actress, though, like I bet Lena Headley got a lot of money for this movie compared to what she would like compared to scale. Yeah. So and I I'm bet not she sure got paid that. a lot more. But again, it's sort of a gamble because if it he was is. taking points on the back end, he made a shitload of money, which we'll talk about because- what do you guys think it made in its domestic opening? Just the week it came out, which was uh, June 7th, 2013. I do think I know this. I think it made like 80. This is just the weekend it came out, Mikey. Just <laughs> that one weekend. 50. Okay, what do you think, Jen? And I think I know, so I'm going to guess 36. It's 34 million, <laughs> so you were close. Yeah, yeah. I, I skimmed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, But it's still, like that's its first weekend. It was yeah. number one at the box office, and it beat, Mikey, a fan favorite of your and I's at least, 
Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> Which one was that one? Yeah, it was the one where they had family. Oh. The they drink Coronas, I think. Fast and the Furious 6 was in its third week. So Now You See Me was the third movie out that week, and it was in its second week. And then the fourth movie out that week was The Internship, and it was its first week out. And then the movie Epic was closing out the top five. This one beat all of them at $34 million. Domestically, in its total run, it made $64 million. And internationally, it made $26 million. Probably because in societies that have a strong social safety net, this message does not really resonate with those people. So it didn't do as well internationally, but it still made $91.2 million at the box office and then made almost $13 million in DVD and Blu-ray sales, making a total of $104.2 million. So it made a shitload of money on a $3 million investment. That's why I got four sequels. But yeah, that's box office. Jen, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Although I don't have as many as I thought I was going to have because I think as the world has expanded, a lot more has been written about the sequels to this movie because a lot of what I found was like writing about the franchise as a whole rather than this one movie. This was written and directed by James DeMonico and he was talking about the inspiration for this movie and he said he and his wife were driving and they got cut off in traffic. Cut off so much that they almost wrecked their cars and got killed. So it was bad getting cut off and both drivers like ended up pulling over and they got into a fist fight and the police had to be called. Um, Jeez. And I don't know how it resolved, but eventually, like later on, his wife had said, yeah, it would be nice to have one free murder a year. And so that was the inspiration for this. <laughs> and the reason that it is only the Sandins are the budget and the time frame. And he said before any of the sequels were made, he said if he ever got to do another one, he would want to make it more like Escape to New York. I haven't seen Escape. The sequel feels like Escape to New York. Anyways, um, so the ladies' white dresses were based on the Manson family, and apparently he had kind of an obsession with that story when he was little. Um, The Purge occurs on March 21st, which is the third month of the year so three, two, one. So that's like a countdown date. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Interesting. So originally, Zoe was going to be the one that tried to kill Ethan Hawke instead of oh, the boyfriend. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I'm glad they changed that. I am too, because I think that would have put a whole different dynamic into the movie. Okay, and so I am going to link an article to Psychology Today, specifically talking about the psychology of this movie and this franchise. But I did write down a couple of bullet points, um, and this is based like on some research studies although I'll probably butcher however I say that. But read the article if you're curious about it. But one of the findings was that acting out your rage is actually more likely to increase your aggression than to purge it. So, like, the fundamental ideology behind the purge is not sound. And this is, they were saying, most people are not just mad at one person and injuring this one person isn't going to make it better. It's not going to solve the rest of your problems. Well, I can't believe a political idea is not based on science. (laughs) Um, Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. I and guess that joke hit too close. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when we have no one specific to rage against, attempts to achieve catharsis can actually make us feel more helpless. And all that is to say you should, what you should do is talk things over with someone if you're angry or, or as the issues arise or go to therapy to learn how to deal with these emotions in a healthy way. Because, I mean, Absolutely. you're not always able to talk to the person that made you angry or that hurt you, but yeah. you have to feel, you have to deal with those emotions in some way. It's called coping skills, and you can learn them. Even, exactly. even adults can learn them. But what if you want to rage yeah. against the machine? Despite all my rage, <laughs> I'm still just a rat in a cage. <laughs> Anyways, and those are my fun facts. 
Well, thank you for your fun facts, They were Jen. very fun. Ooh. So let's do that scary scale. Scary scale. Hey, listeners. Our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scary we thought the movie was. It's not a ranking of the quality of the film. It's how scared we were when we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd, I'm going to be interested to hear your ranking of this. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Because it was scary. Like, there were some jump scares that made me jump. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, like, when she's stabbing him with the letter Ooh. opener that mm-hmm. was like really uh it was just un- unnerving and uncomfortable yeah uh, that's the kind of stuff but, that really gets me yeah but the whole movie is not super scary it's just those jump scares yeah so if you're fine with jump scares you're fine with this movie yeah yeah mikey i'm gonna give it a one <laughs> okay <laughs> all right i think i'm gonna give it a five okay and that tends to be how what how i experience being scared with these movies yeah. because this one will stick with me and it has and the the elements of this movie upset me and it was scary to watch and it was upsetting to put myself in the shoes of these characters. So yeah, I'm going to give it a five. All right. All right. And that's our scary scale. Yeah. So this week you guys made me watch the purge. What are you guys making me watch next week? I'm really excited because next week we are watching attack the block. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen this movie, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. So I'm really excited to revisit it. So, yeah, Attack the Block for next week, starring John Boyega, who I love. Awesome. So, guys, watch Attack the Block. And, uh, yeah, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? (laughs) While Mikey's looking up a review, let me tell you guys how you can have your review read on a podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes and leave us a little text so Mikey has something to read and even leave an accent. So we can have a little fun reading it. Ooh. Mikey, do you have one for him for us to read? I do. This is awesome. Pants under underpants. Ah. Pants underpants? No, pants. That's a lot of pants. Pants under underpants. Mm. Pants under underpants. Yes. It's the way Superman wears his underpants. I think that's probably right, because he wants me to read this in my native Kryptonian accent. Well, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. So it is it is Superman? Yes. That could be correct. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Okay, go Okay, so the title of this review is Quarantine Surrogate Friends. Oh, Let me see if I can do like a Marlon Brando here. I found this podcast a while back, (laughs) and it was exactly what I was looking for. (laughs) I am a horror aficionado. I love it. And my wife and friends are complete horror virgins. Hold on. I've got to put the next crystal in. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, um, I can relate so much to this wonderful group of friends as Jen breaks down the deets, Mikey adds the heart, and the horror virgin Todd rounds it out with hilarious reactions. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> Whether they're laughing hysterically at House 2 or providing three free therapy during The Shining, <laughs> I have loved every moment of this show. Oh, thank you. You are wonderful people, and your chemistry is bow bubble. (laughs) (laughs) You are the perfect surrogate hangout with friends during these stressful quarantine times. And I hope you continue to grow and do this for years to come. I listen on Spotify and downloaded iTunes for the sole purpose of leaving you a five-star review. Smiley face. I forgot for a minute that you were reading in an accent. Five stars. Sound weird. (laughs) (laughs) I. It's been a while since I've seen. The original Superman, so. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. Pants under underpants. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And if you want your review read on the podcast, leave us a five-star review. That's right. Yeah, it's just that easy. 
We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you could do us a favor, check out their awesome shows like The Losers Club, Halloweenies, This Must Be the Gig, Kyle Meredith with The Assembly, and also check out their website, Consequence of Sound. And if you want to check out all of our shit, go to HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us on social, go to at HorrorVirgin. If you want to follow us all individually, Jen is at Jen Ferratu, Mikey is at MRandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome. <laughs> and if you can help financially support the show, please do. By going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where we have a lot of great levels and a lot of great things. We've recently been doing director's cuts of episodes that come out a day early and ad free at the $5 and up level. So yeah. guys, it's a great way to get the episodes early and uncut. Like yeah. we leave more in those than we do for the regular feed. So yeah. And just check about that, like, I don't know if we'll do one for every single episode, but right. I do know we recorded a long time for this episode and we're at three hours and 11 minutes right now. <laughs> yeah. So there's more stuff in there. If you want to hear it, sign up for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can't help financially support the show or simply don't want to, but you still want that awesome, sweet daily free content, go to the Facebook group, which we link pretty much every week on social. So if you want to just check it out there, or go to our link tree in the bio of our Instagram. You'll see it there, yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, guys, that's going to be it for us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for The Purge. This was a heavy conversation, but I'm glad we yeah, had it. Yeah, it was. Me too. Yeah. So, and we want to hear what you think too. So please, like, leave us comments and let us know. But um, stay thank positive. You for joining stay us. positive. Don't attack each other. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't purge don't, your feelings. Don't make us purge the social media. The Facebook. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you for joining us. I'm Jim. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, guys. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Bye. Mask nerds. Mask nerds. Hey, wear your masks, guys. Yes. Do it. Consequence Podcast Network.